Before we get to today's episode of Off the Bench, we want to remind you all that Monumental Sports Network is the new streaming service for all your D.C. sports. Watch live games, exclusive shows, and attend VIP events. You can start your free trial today at GetMonumental.com. Hey, Wiz Kids! Welcome to another edition of Off the Bench. Zach Rosen here with Chris Gehring and Jacob Rame. Uh, before we get to some analysis from the four-game road trip out west, uh, we want to tell you that we have the Washington Post. Uh, Tim Bontemps coming on the podcast later in this episode. He talks about the growth of Kelly Oubre Jr., Otto Porter Jr., a lot of juniors going on, uh, how the Wizards have become one of those teams that kind of picks fights with everyone, but in a good way and how it motivates them uh, competitive-wise and uh, some other good stuff. So Jeremy Hyman got that interview with Tim on the road. I think they are in San Francisco, so off the bench on the road. Uh not as good as off the bench after dark, but uh, yeah, we'll definitely true. definitely give that a listen later on in this episode. But guys, want to jump right into the the West Coast trip? Came back two and two. The team is four and two. Kind of you know where we projected them to be. Split the West Coast trip. That's always the goal. It doesn't really matter who you play. Um, but I think yesterday's game probably gave a lot of reassurance to the team, to the fans, definitely to us. Although. I know that I personally thought we were going to really beat the Kings bad, yeah. as I said on the, the pod last week. I don't think we projected George Hill and Zach Randolph to suddenly sit in the fifth game of the season. <laughs> but uh, also, we, we'll talk about the Warriors game, though it, it didn't go the Wizards' way. I think it showed a lot about the team. Um, but what were your, I, I guess, takeaways from the whole trip in general before we go into individual games? Yeah, I think the trip in general, like you said, it the result is 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 what we wanted to see, especially early in the year where games can be um, a little wonky. You know, we saw that in Los Angeles, and certainly in Golden State, the game was right there um, for the Wizards to to have, and and it went the other way. And certainly the the Warriors, obviously, they're the defending champs. They're the most talented team in the league. They are. You know they're they're the team to beat, and so when and you clearly when you vulnerable short, right now, yeah, and I think that's the main takeaway is when you come up short against them, it's frustrating because you obviously want to beat the Warriors more than more than anybody else, but I think that the Wizards proved that they that they're right there and they, and they can they can push the you know they can push the Warriors to the brink and and are capable of winning games when they play their best game and. I think that that's a that's a huge takeaway, and then the Kings game is kind of all of it coming together. Really, you know, locking down on defense. We said that George Hill and, and Zach Randolph are out. That certainly hurts the Kings. The Kings are extremely young, um, but I think that's exactly what the what they wanted to do coming home. And and now you look at November with you know f- almost five in a row, with the exception of Toronto, a, a quick trip to Toronto a bunch of home games coming up in November where the Wizards have had a lot of success last year going into this year. And so I think the Wizards are right where they want to be. Keith Morris is, is getting very close to being healthy. And, you know, looking at last season, thinking about what last season was at the beginning of the year and, and looking at where we are now, the team's grown. The team is better. Guys like Otto Porter, Kelly Oubre are, are, are better. And those are all encouraging signs for – the Wizards in an Eastern Conference that, while it is still early, it, it looks really wide open, and I think that all of those signs are encouraging. 
I think heading into a West Coast trip, you, you always you always want to get this, you always want to get at least a split. It doesn't really matter who you're playing. Going out west is really hard, and you know they got they they got the job done. They went two and two, but you can't help but feel as though you left a couple wins on the table. And so I mean, and that's especially against a team like the Warriors, who we'd all love to have that signature win against to open the season. Um, and so I think that you know the I think the road trip is a little bit bittersweet, um, but it's but going two and two is. This is certainly, you know, uh, certainly deemed a success, and now we get some home cooking. Yeah. yeah and in November, that's, I think, very promising. Like, you look yeah. at the schedule, there's a chance to rattle off some wins in November and really get um, to where they want to be early. Yeah, I, I believe it's the Wizards have won 32 of their 37 home games in the year of 2017, so got to feel pretty good is coming that, home. Is that good? Yeah, you that's know, it's pretty, pretty good. good. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. Yeah, okay. You know, uh, so... I guess just one last thing about the Warriors game is after, you know, we don't need to go in the scuffle that occurred, but it was kind of amazing to me when I said it's harder for the Wizards to lose Bradley Beal than the Warriors to lose Draymond Green. Maybe without Kevin Durant, it's harder for them to lose Draymond. But do the Wizards win that game with Bradley Beal? I don't even know. Yeah, I mean, It's hard to say. It's yeah. hard to say, but, I mean, certainly – you would have you would have liked to have him on the floor on the final possession certainly. Yeah, it, it came it came right down to it, and Bradley Beal is one of the people that you want you want available, and so you know, yeah, it is hard to say, but at the end of the day, it, we found out you know just how valuable I think both are, but certainly certainly Draymond, and I think Draymond you know Draymond's gotten praise as, as an All Star and all of those things, but he is extremely extremely important to that team it's it's i don't think it can be understated um just how important he is and, and obviously kd is you know it, it's it's almost like a cheat code at that point if you have the all all four of those guys on the floor but um yeah didn't work against the pistons yeah no the pistons yeah, look good out to the pistons. but i do i mean to me the biggest takeaway besides that the wizards competed was the three-point defense has gotten a lot better the last couple games yep. uh the Warriors and Kings combined shot 16 of 60 from three in those two games. So very, very, very small sample size. But but it got a lot better because in the beginning of the year threes were just falling. I mean, yeah, Robert Covington himself made it. Made I mean, it. I'd like to I'd like yeah. to see a few more games before I do sure. it improve. But I mean, I think because I think that I think that the Warriors were off, and I think something about that game for them was off at the start. And I also don't think the Kings are a very good shooting team. So it's fair, but again considering how poor some of the three-point defense has been in the past. No, it's a results-based yeah. league, yeah. and yeah. 16 for 60 gets the job done. Sure. Yep. Um, moving on back to yesterday's game, Mike Scott had those 11 points in a row. John Wall had, was just cooking in the beginning. Yeah. Um, five three-pointers tied a career high. It just seemed like 17 it was— 17 threes is the team's yeah. second most in franchise history. It just really seemed like it was too easy. And, yeah. you know, we talked to Brian Windhorst before the season, and he said that he thinks a lot of these games are going to happen here at home. Are are you guys expecting that on this these upcoming games against I'm, the Lakers again, Dallas, Atlanta? I mean, I'm Atlanta. never I'm never going to expect a 28 point win. I mean, that's not something you go out there and expect. But I mean, there are some there are some teams in here that look like they're in a rebuilding process. I mean, uh, yes. Phoenix is coming on Wednesday. I think this this Wizards team is going to be out for blood against the Lakers when they come in. I, I think, think so. that that should that's that's a game that we now have uh, as a team circled on our calendars. There are there are some teams here, but you know I don't think you ever go into these games in the NBA. There's there's no easy games in the NBA. I mean, 
Um, you know, the Kings didn't have it. They were resting some players. You know, that game got away from them very quickly, and they were never able to get back into it. But, you know, I, I don't I, – I think it's – I think that there are some games you look at on the calendar where you say, yeah, maybe the Wizards should blow them out. But, but yeah, but so, I mean, I don't, I don't think there's any game on the schedule you circle and say that's going to be a blot. But there are, there are some – there are some games coming up on the schedule, definitely against weaker teams. And if you take Windy at his word, then yeah, some of them should be blots. Yeah. Okay. What did you take away from uh, the West Coast trip? So I mean, we all talked about we thought they were going to be two and two, but Jacob, the key is like it was amazing to see them blow out a team because just as everyone said, as soon as the Lakers game, after the Lakers game, and then after Golden State, they play to the level of their opponent. And this was the first game all season that I felt like. The Wizards played the game they should play, and they beat an opponent that we expect them to beat them the way that they beat them. And this is the first game I feel like they did that all season. Sure. This is well, their most complete game. Yeah, every other question. game had been within no five question. points, yeah. and then this one was 28. Yeah, and I think to to Zach's point and to Windhorse's point earlier, you know, when we talked to him in training camp, these are that's, that, is, that is what he expects to see. I think that's what we expect and certainly what the team expects out of themselves. When they get these – opponents specifically at home yep jumping jumping out early playing their game and and putting the game away and and, and leaving no doubt i mean the wizards got up by 30 something points and they led by 30 for the entire game the bench the bench kept that level up the stars came in and kept that came back in and kept that level up and that's i think what you want to see against phoenix dallas la atlanta all coming in in these next two weeks and you know obviously cleveland will be tough but they, they, you know, they always are. Toronto on the road is always a tough game, though the Wizards had a really impressive, maybe one of their most impressive regular season games last season in Toronto. Yeah, um, that was a fun. One. It was a really fun game to watch, and that was the kind of kind of the time where people, I think, started to realize, like, holy smokes, Bradley Beal, John Wall, these guys are on a, a slightly higher level when they're when they're at their best. Um, this team can be in the upper echelon. It can be in the top two, three in the, in the East. Yeah. And so I think that's what we'll expect to see. I think we'll expect to see a lot of wins. And um, I, I, I just think that they will find a rhythm. They'll take these two days coming back from the West Coast. They'll get Keith back in the next couple weeks you know, or sooner. And we'll start to see things kind of take shape and, and get a bigger sample size and, and figure out what this team's going to be. I know that Tim Bontemps is going to talk about Kelly and Otto coming up in a little bit, but Timmy. <laughs> I mean, All right, can Jim, we? Okay. Can we even? I mean, let's. We want Tim to come back on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we we know we've talked about these guys, but what what do you, what do you do if you're Scott Brooks with Keith coming back and how good this starting lineup has been together? No question, Keith goes back into it. No, not that. That's not what I'm asking. Oh, but sorry. If you're him, what what what's your move after that? Once the first quarter's over, how are you going to play? Do you match up to your opponent? Do you make opponents match up to you? Because, I mean, the defensive rating of this unit is like 89.2, I think, or something like that. It's pretty crazy. I mean, we're gonna we're certainly going to see more of this unit. We're going to see more of this unit with Keith replacing Marchin, yeah. um, depending on who we're playing against. But, I mean, Marchin's had a great start to the year. Um, and I, ju- I, I think that, you know, you don't. You don't overcomplicate it. You're getting a player of the caliber of Key Fumetti before the season considered to be our X Factor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think that we're all excited to see him get back into the lineup. Um, 
I think there I think there are nights where you make your opponent match up to you, and I think there are nights that you match up to your opponent. And Scott Brooks is great with lineups, and he'll he'll read the opponent. And there are definitely going to be some nights where Kelly plays thirty five minutes, and some nights where he plays fifteen. And I think that's just the nature of how this is going to go. There's no question now that Kelly has earned the role of sixth man and most important bench player on this team. Yeah, and um, I, he's going to play heavy minutes a lot of nights, and but. The fact is that Keefe is someone that is indispensable to this team, and um, I think he's going to go back to logging heavy minutes as well. The crazy thing is I feel like, to, to, to answer your question too, I think Jacob is definitely right. You can change the lineup based on your opponent. But I feel like Keefe, because he took so long to come back, maybe you work him back to the lineup. But if I'm Keefe, I'm like, I want to play against Phoenix. Yeah. I want to play against the Phoenix Suns. I want to play heavy minutes, and I want to play choice. well and have a game. He may not have a choice. But outside of that, I feel like Jacob is right. You work him in. You figure out where he fits in the lineup. If Cleveland is a longer, you know, slower team, then maybe that's where you can put him back in the starting lineup. Or maybe you wait until, like, a Dallas game. Yeah, I could see him being eased into it more so, but yeah. I don't think he's going to play until he is ready to play. There's no reason to rush him back right Cause, now. Because, I mean, definitely outside of – I don't want to single out any player, and you may have talked about this already before I came in here, but like Keith, Kelly was amazing against Golden State. Mm-hmm. I thought he was all over the floor. The refs allowed him to clap. Yeah, for <laughs> once. Yeah, <laughs> for once. Right. Um, I just thought that he really added an extra spark, and maybe they need that in the starting lineup. But I could see Coach saying, no, let's put Keith in there because we need Kelly off the bench to provide that energy. Yeah, and I think that's where he fits in best. But I, I am excited to see that lineup of Wall, Beal, Kelly, Otto and Keith, I think yeah. all five guys can shoot. They can all defend multiple positions. I mean, that's the dream lineup. That's going to be the Wizards' death lineup. Yeah, you know, like the Warriors have. I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's it's going to be what what's going to win games at the end. I think for them, and that that's not anything against Martian. It's just the way that the NBA is going. But I think that Martian will find himself in that role too because he can defend some of these. These bigs that, you know, like the Paul Millsaps, we've seen him defend well at the yeah. end of games and stuff like that. And just, we've talked about it before, Chris, you want to say something? Sorry, I, no, no, I go ahead. Off like, I just watch Wall and Gortat, and it's amazing no, it is. how, like, he's not even looking at Gortat and knows exactly where he is. And Gortat is just layup, layup dunk layup it's just it's just such a routine that i don't know if you want to go away from that when you know well, probably 90 yeah. percent of the time that's a bucket when wall and gortat work that pick and roll well yeah i mean and there are times there are teams that will have like traditional bigs maybe not traditional bigs but you know guys over six foot nine six foot ten i'm thinking about the carl anthony towns the rudy yeah. gobert's there are there are still times where martin will need to be on the floor in crunch time when those guys are on the floor but there are also times mid-game, third quarter, early fourth, where you know the the Wizards are going to be able to, like you said, make teams match up with them. That's a lineup where you put those five on the floor. The opponent needs to adjust to that. You're not you're not adjusting to them. That's a lineup that's very dangerous. And I think that it's just going to be really exciting to see where that where that leads and how that ends up as we as they get reacclimated as Keefe gets back into game shape and gets more comfortable. I think that's just really going to be um, a really interesting, really interesting development and something that is going to be a real weapon for the Wizards. And I think Gortat's screens and the pick and roll are really important too. So. That ke- the chemistry between him and yeah. Wall is is really something to watch. Yeah. It's you know the what? kind of thing that only happens over, you know, however many years that they've played together now. Yep. I was watching KD against the Pistons last night 
and I saw him set a pick and then pop up for a three, and I thought to myself, this is Otto. I think the Wizards might start looking at that where John has the ball, Otto sets the screen, and pops out and just has a wide open top hmm. of the guard yeah. three, and I just see him draining that all day. I mean, yeah. he's shooting 56% uh, from three. I he mean, went it, toe-to-toe with KD. No, he Otto was just like, you hit a three, I'll hit a three. Like They, they went back and forth, and I love seeing Otto step up like that. Yeah, Otto's, Otto's confidence and his, impro- and his just bottom line improvement this year are i mean it, it is noticeable people took notice of Otto at the beginning of last season when he made a big jump numbers wise yeah he's making another one and if he continues to do that i mean he, we're looking he's, at an all-star yeah he's unfazed yeah. he's unfazed his physical his physical tools i mean he's so long he's already got a good frame and you know his wingspan's long he he is a real real problem and we saw in training camp him put the ball on the floor a few times in, in, in scrimmages. And so all of those things that as they continue to develop, again, I know that we've said it on this show a lot, and I've written about it too, but him and Brad are, are still only 24 years old. It's amazing. And, it's unbelievable. And Otto is, Otto's the real deal. He's super ta- he's super talented, and he's becoming just a, a dead I mean, the automatic – you know the thing the automatic hashtag and all that stuff mm-hmm. it's it's re- i mean he when he puts up a jump shot with any space yeah. expecting you it to go in it's going in yeah and really that that goes for anywhere from i mean against the kings a lot of people were making shots but mid range 1734 three from 3 <laughs> i mean mid range three point he is he's a real weapon and he's only getting more confident i i love when he catches the ball with a little bit of space, even if somebody's closing out, I love that now he has the mentality that he can pull the trigger on those shots. He's not passing up shots and seeing and the, the combination of not passing up the shot and then seeing it go in the, the building of that confidence for him, I think is really important for this team. And really one of the keys that can unlock that upper, that upper level, that Eastern yeah. conference finals trip, that potential, you know, it's super early to talk about the finals, but that that's the kind of thing, particularly in the playoffs, where you need you need multiple guys like that. Brad, yeah. Otto, John's jump shot looked the best that it has all season by a mile mm-hmm. in Sacramento, and obviously he, they kind of let him get comfortable, but mm-hmm. it it just looked better. His jump shot looked better. It looked smoother. He looked more confident, yeah. and you could see it building. You so. said he worked on it, I think, pregame a yeah. lot after the Golden State game. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I was going to mention about Otto before we talk about Phoenix for a few minutes, before we get to Tim Bontemps, uh, Otto, according to a metric of a, a site I follow on Twitter, NBA Math, which they're pretty good. Um, they really look at the defensive and offensive impact. Right now, Otto is the fourth most valuable player in the NBA, two-way. Number one is Giannis. Number two is Boogie, who's had a really good start. Number three mm-hmm. is LeBron, and number four is Otto. And if you look at the math, best plus minus on the team. I mean, he, he he and he's been really good with the bench too. I think, which mm-hmm. has been important. Scott Brooks, you know, he doesn't like to to use Brad and John too much with the bench unit because they're they work so well together. But I think Otto really fits with that team's menta- the the second unit's mentality too. Um, but of course, Kelly once Keith comes back will be with that unit, um, and pe- there will be better chemistry. I think. Uh, and for anybody who thought this summer, uh, maybe you don't sign him, that's a lot of money. It's like, no, he's already proven in this yeah. short 
you know, six games, he's proven that Otto was worth it. And we never doubted it. Um, but I'm just so looking forward to seeing how this team grows this summer. You know, we've been doing a lot of stuff with the alumni interviews for a documentary you all will see in March as we get closer to that Bullets 40th anniversary. But hearing the alumni talk about needing a core group of players that are all all-stars, playing well together, but also finding a way to get over that 50 wins plateau. I'm, I, I, I don't see how we don't get over that plateau. Yeah. Barring some crazy injury, we just look so good this early in the season. Uh, yeah. We do. We do. No. Jamoke, he comes with the, with the hot takes. Just, I, just let him sizzle. I, I need to <laughs> Jacob, Jacob's, Jacob Jacob's like it's down. been six games. He's trying to be like the dad of the group. <laughs> Way down. We're talking, you're talking 50 wins right now, and I mean like. He's an optimist. Um, All right. If we want. Sorry. To can we remember that you know um, less than a week ago we lost to the Lakers. We did. No, I don't want to. I don't want to rehash that game. I'm just saying, slow we your did, roll a little. I, like I don't want to rehash an it. Early wake up call for this team to be like, hold up. If we want to be legit, we cannot let this happen. We can't, and they, and they realized that very early on, that Sacramento game, that was the key to say, okay, we saw what happened with the Lakers. What will you do here? And they smashed them. They came out and smashed them and said, no, we're the better team, and we will show you, and they did it. Wow. No. Uh, that okay. was a lot. That was a That's, lot right if, there. If we were on around the horn, I'd give Jamoke <laughs> one point. I would have deducted seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, why though. you're not Tony Reale. Uh, quick thing on the Suns. We know they've they've had some issues with Eric Bledsoe, to say the least. I think we can all agree the focal point is to stop Devin Booker, but here's some defensive stats on the Suns. Your boy Alex Len looks pretty good. Uh, I got oh, a text go from terps. Jake oh, from Jeremy saying, I don't want to be here for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's not here. Um, so the Suns are giving up. If, if we thought, you know, you, some of those Wizards fans were really, you know, the Wizards can't defend the three. Well, the Suns are giving up 43% on three-pointers, which I haven't even looked yet, but there's no way anyone's worse than that. Yep, they're worse by 3%. Uh, they're giving up 117.2 points per game. It's I think too many points. It's a lot of points. <laughs> That's I too think, many points. <laughs> I think this is probably going to be similar to Sunday's game, and it's at home. I think, importantly, maybe some guys, if 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 they as they should, get off to a lead that they can rest a little bit again should be a big jody meeks game um yeah. tim frazier should get a lot by the way tim frazier he looks really good really good number two in the nba and assists for 36 minutes i mean he looks great yeah um a jack of all trades yeah so i, I devin booker how do you stop him who do you think is going to guard him i mean i think this is this is a good test for somebody that coach brooks has said can be can take another step defensively brad beal is is a natural is a natural fit but I would love to see Kelly Oubre guard Devin mm-hmm. Booker. I be think fun. he will quite a bit. Yeah. I think that that's something that we talked about getting out to that hot start and, and leaving no doubt. That's one way you do that. You put you put Kelly on the floor relatively early in the game and yep. you let him lock down Devin Booker and see what the Suns can do without him. I think that that's something that we'll, we'll hopefully see. Um, but, again, it's it'll also be just about the Wizards executing – and finding guys like Otto, like Brad, um, hopefully see John's uh, confidence with that three-point shot continue to grow and, and string some games together here. I'm interested to see who takes shots besides Devin Booker without Eric Bledsoe because in the three games Bledsoe played, he shot 13 shots of their 
you know, 85 a game, and then Booker took the other 17. So who else is shooting on this team? The Phoenix has Warren. a winning record since they let go of Earl Watson. So Do they? Yep. They were 2-0 oh wow. going into last night. Yeah, I know they have been playing a lot better, mm-hmm. um, but it's a, another young team. Lots there, of young there have been some. There yeah. have been some stats, like, that have shown that um, ev- whenever you let go of a coach, you get some sort There's of a bounce more, back. Yeah, a little surge. Yeah, yeah, you get a little surge, and then you probably come back to earth real quick. Yeah. So yeah. they'll come back to earth yeah. Wednesday night. Yeah, and then uh, Thursday we'll have a big preview. Cleveland coming here Friday, a team that is struggling really badly defensively. And then yeah. Toronto, which might arguably be a bigger game on Sunday um, because of last – I mean, we saw with yeah. seeding last season with them. Mm-hmm. I just think every game against Toronto especially is huge. And we're going there twice – both on Sundays in the month of November. Yep. So I think you got to split those as well. So we'll, we'll dive sure. more into that Thursday, hopefully after a win over Phoenix. Uh, we should have another special guest on Thursday. Um, but for us right here, we're done. And uh, the Washington Post, Tim Bontemps, is next with Jeremy, who is, you know, he might not want to be here, but he was there <laughs> for that interview. <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> Ciao for now, kids. All right, welcome back to this special edition of Off the Bench. We are joined here live in San Francisco with a man who needs no formal introduction, but I'll give him one. One of the best NBA writers in the business. He works for the Washington Post. He covers the NBA. He's been doing it for a while. His name, Tim Bonintemps. Did I get it correct, Tim? You did. You got my name right. You got my name right. Though you, though you haven't had my colleague, Candace Buckner, on the podcast yet, which is going to get both me and you in trouble, I think, when we're done. So, nice job. Yeah, nice job, Jeremy. Yeah, Candy, Candy's going to get us. Uh, we're, we, she's going to be a soon to be appear on the, on the pod after she sees that uh, <laughs> Tim, a one-time stop here in San Fran, and Tim's already on the pod before. So. Well, I, I, you did get to see Candace all the time. I'm, I, I'm out here, so it is a bit of an interesting... Uh, one off to get me on it, I guess. Yeah, was, yeah, we'll call this a special special edition <laughs> with Tim. But if we can jump right into some NBA talk, we're sure. a little over a week into the season now. Um, I guess just to get into sort of, has anything stood out to you? Has anything surprised you? Uh, I know we're still only a week in, but anything sort of jumping off the pages for you? I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's happened, right? I, obviously, the Gordon Hayward injury, I was at the game in Cleveland when he you know, fractured his ankle and, and broke his leg. It was just a terrible injury, and that, that really fundamentally altered the East. You know, now you look at you know, your team, the Washington Wizards, they look like a, a squad that, to me, you know, I thought the Wizards could make the Easter Conference Finals already. Now, with, with Gordon Hayward out, I think it will be a very big disappointment if the Wizards don't make that next step and get to the conference finals. There's no reason that they should be able to do that. Obviously, disappointing game the other night against the Lakers, but, you know, this is still a team that should be that good. Um, You know, Giannis has been incredible. I saw him play last week, too. I did a bunch of East Coast uh, stops to start the year, and um, he he looks incredible. He could win the MVP. Uh, You know, James Harden is back at the same level. The Warriors have been up and down. The Cavs have been up and down. Um, There's a lot of stuff that's uh, that's happening, like you said, it's, it's, it's too early to kind of make any definitive judgments, but, you know, it, it has just been an extension of the off season where, you know, every day it seemed like something insane was happening. And now we're into the regular season after a crazy preseason, it seems like the same thing applies. Yeah. When we, we talked a few weeks ago with, uh, Brian Windhorse of ESPN and he said, 
he said there's not really a lull for him until a couple of weeks into the season, and that's sort of the because the off season is just so crazy. Mm-hmm. That do you is it, do you feel the same way? That sort of like you got to wait a few weeks to just kind of get into just something. It, not that there's nothing going on, but just sort of a little bit of a lull with the crazy drama that happens in this league. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. I mean, Wendy, Wendy uh, as usual, knows what he's talking about. And, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're covering a league like he is or like I am, um, you know, especially with how crazy the summer was, like you said, right, the, the, even up to the start of training camp, Carmelo Anthony gets traded the weekend camp is starting, right? So now you get to the regular season, it's like, okay, now you have to try to see everybody. You have to try to start to figure out what you whether what you thought about teams coming into the season was accurate or not. You know, I thought that, for example, I thought the Clippers are probably going to struggle this year. Uh, they're now 4-0 after Blake hit a game winner last night. Um, I thought the Spurs might struggle without Kawhi Leonard. They're 4-0 now or 5-0, right? So, like, you have to try to see everybody and get a sense of, um, of what the league looks like. And, you know, so that means trying to watch as many games as you can that's going to a lot of games. Usually you try to get out early and see a bunch of games. I've already been to, I think, six or seven games. Um, so you, you try to get all around and see a bunch of stuff. But, you know, I, I think once you get to, say, maybe even Thanksgiving, like I think once you get to Thanksgiving and you get like a solid month into the season, I think at that point you have a good sense of where the league is at and you could start to kind of exhale a little bit you know, kind of take December to just kind of assess where things are. And then now with the trade deadline, even a little earlier now, you really start to ramp back up after the new year. And you've got really January is going to be now, I think, when all the trades go down. And, you know, then it ramps back up. But, I, yeah, I think for at least the next two or three weeks, I think there's going to be a lot of um, trying to figure out what's going on still because it's, there's just, it's just so much happened this summer that it's going to take some time to figure out where everybody stands. Yeah, and now we're only a week in, but for those people, there there are some, and there's the casual NBA fan, the casual sports fan. They're not, they you know, they're going to say we know Golden State and Cleveland are most likely going to be in the finals. So why why am I watching the regular season? You know what a you know what, what am I getting up for? What so how do you, how would you you know I mean I work in the business you work in the business mm-hmm. how do we get people to you know enjoy the process of the whole thing and that there's more than just it's just going to be Golden State and Cleveland again sure. for the what 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 makes it the regular season like why should we actually enjoy this whole process and everything that happens in it? I think that's a really good question and I think it is a really interesting place that the league is in. Uh, you know the funny thing about the NBA is you look at the history of the league and. Basically, every season you come into the year and five teams have a chance to win a championship, right? Maybe six at most. It's not a league where, uh, because of how dominant one player can be, um, it's not a league where you have widespread parity, and we never have, and we never will probably, right? I mean, if you you tried to do it like NFL style and flatten out the salary cap and let like one good player be on every team, LeBron would win every year. Right. So like it's not like it would really matter. Um, it, it, like if you tried to even egal- make it egalitarian that way, it wouldn't work. So um, th- to me, the interesting thing about that perspective that you asked about is I think now the regular season has become more interesting almost than the playoffs. Like you go back to last year, you had Russell Westbrook going for the triple double. You had James Harden putting up crazy numbers every night. You had, you know, the Warriors doing their thing in the regular season. You had all this stuff going on in the regular season that was really exciting. 
then you got to the playoffs, and the Cavs romped through the East, and the Warriors went through the West. And other than, you know, Celtics, Wizards was good, and uh, Rockets, Spurs was good. But for the most part, the playoffs were a dud. And I think this year you're going to see maybe not exactly the same thing, but a similar one probably, where you're going to have um, you're going to have Giannis doing his thing. You have what's going on with the Thunder. How does that new group look? Uh, you know, like are, is Kawhi Leonard going to be healthy? What are the Spurs going to look like? Uh, you know, what are the Celtics going to look like after Hayward's injury? Can the Wizards take that next step? Uh, what's up with the Raptors? Like you can you can go through and find. You know, you look at Philly. Everything that's going on there with, you know, local guy Markel Fultz and his shot being screwed up to, um, to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid playing great. Like, to me, like, the league has gotten to an interesting place because you can look around and there's stuff to watch everywhere. Yeah. But when you get to the playoffs, there isn't that same drama that there used to be where it's like, okay, like, let's get to the playoffs and then, you know, we can see Spurs Warriors or – uh, Warriors Thunder and like we don't know who's going to win the West right like it's going to be this like year long build up to this titanic clash now it's like the year long build up is the interesting part mm-hmm. and then the playoffs are going to be kind of the blah part um, you know barring injury so it is I do think it's an interesting place the league is in but the fact that there are so many interesting young stars in the league and people like I think the fact that NBA has embraced social media and embrace the internet um, I think all that stuff has allowed it to soak up this time between now and April and really make it compelling even if the stuff at the end that everybody's waiting for isn't as compelling and there are st- I mean it feels like every day there's a new storyline a new it's almost like a soap opera like we're oh, living that's exactly what it is it's, it is a soap opera I mean that's what the NBA like the reason the NBA is on the upswing and the and in my opinion and the NFL and other sports are on the downswing is that the day-to-day um, the day-to-day excitement around the league is just far different and far more um, captivating than those other leagues you just have stuff you have stuff happening all the time, and it uh, it it just makes for a really exciting um, makes for a really exciting product and a really compelling one that draws people in. You have even yesterday, right? Kyrie Irving is in Milwaukee, and you know he's like, I don't know about this court. You know, I stepped on it, and it, it's I don't know if it's if I can if it's good for my knees. And you know, people like Kyrie, the court it was built for this game. It's a brand new NBA court. It's exactly what you'd play on it. Uh, the Bradley Center. I don't know. I don't like to paint. I have to check. And then the Bucks sent out that tweet. If right. You... <laughs> right. If in case you need to tell somebody, the court is brand new and here's how it got made and then had a time-lapse video. I mean, it's like this kind of crap happens all the time. And it, it's just like uh, at some point you just lose track of everything that's going on from my perspective. Like I'm just trying to keep up with everything because there's so many things happening on Dale Best. You have, the, you have a, you know, a Chinese billionaire Joseph Sai uh Joe Sai buying the Brooklyn Nets today like there's just something on some level of the sport every day and it's just impossible to keep up well that that's what it feels like and you you could just scroll through Twitter almost every morning you could wake up and find there's a new something going on oh yeah uh, this, every day the stuff you know just recently in Phoenix was wild and it just seems <laughs> like it's just it just never ends but yes. if if we can transition a bit toward the Wizards sure. who from what we're talking about with all these, you know, the drama and the storylines from this past summer all the way till now, this was really a team that's kind of stayed out of that that spotlight for yep. the most part. A lot of, you know, minor moves, the bench upgrades in the offseason, but 
now that the season's here, it's the same roster back. Markeith Morris should be back soon. Yep. Um, for a team that actually used to be in a lot of these sort of spotlights, you know, a lot of these headlines for you know, for whatever reasons, it's actually become a more sort of consistent plane now. And how do you see the Wizards sort of fitting in now? We mentioned it a little bit before with Boston's, you know, the Hayward injury. But mm-hmm. where do you see that and how the Wizards now in the Eastern Conference? And do you think they could potentially compete for that one seed? I do think it can be for the one seed because the Cavs are a mess, and and that that does open the door for them if they you know you, you, they can't give up many more games like that Laker game the other night that they should have won. But it does they are positioned to be um, to, to be a factor in the East, and you know I think you're right. The thing that I was um, highest on about the Wizards beyond the obvious that they have you know probably the second or third best backcourt in the NBA and John and Brad you know definitely behind Steph and Clay, but maybe just them, um, is the fact that the Wizards were so stable, right? They have a very stable front office. They have, obviously, they just hired Scott Brooks. He's going to be here a while. Uh, they have John and Brad. They have a team that's in place. Um, you know, they made some, I think, good additions to the bench to try to strengthen a second unit that really hurt them last year. But uh, they didn't have the, you know, they didn't trade one of their star players. They didn't uh, turn over half their starting lineup or more. They they have, you know, obviously Marquise Morris is out, but they have their starting lineup back. They have Kelly Oubre back. They have Jan Mahimi hopefully healthy and back. Uh, Jason Smith was a key PC. He's back. They have, uh, they have Brooks back. They have the front office back. Like, that stability means a lot in the NBA, and especially like we talked about with all the chaos going on around the league, if you can just have that core group be here and healthy and, and come back and be ready to go, that gives you a huge leg up on everybody else. So, yeah, I think – you know, when you look at the Cavs kind of being pretty dysfunctional right now and lackadaisical, um, I think the one seed is in play. Uh, I think this team should win 50 games finally, um, and I, I think they should be in the Eastern Conference Finals. And I, I think, you know, the Wizards have not let's, – let's be honest, right? I know this is a, a – a, you know, I'm, I'm serious, though. Like, this is a team that – you know I, know, I know this is a Wizards-centric podcast, but this is a team that has not been in this kind of position in decades right even the Gilbert years even the earlier part of John's tenure like this this team has expectations on it in my opinion it hasn't had since the Wes Unseld days in the 70s and I'm fascinated to see how they handle that because that's that comes with a new level of responsibility right it's one thing if you are going to the second round of the playoffs and you're winning as a four or five matchup and you know that that's like okay like you're getting to the second round but you're not getting farther you're not winning 50 games like this team now should win 50 games. They should make the conference finals. Like they're favored to do that. And if they don't, it's going to be a real disappointment and not just like, ah, it was a toss up series with the Celtics and they lost like last year, which, you know, whatever they were the lower seed. They lost a great series. What do you do? Um, so yeah, I think it's, um, I think it's going to be a fascinating year for them, but to me, it's all out in front of them. And, you know, if they are healthy going into the playoffs, I, I think, like you said, I think the one seed is hundred percent in play. And I think that this is a team that should get to places it hasn't been. And I, I'm very curious to see if they can do that. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about on the last, you know, for the last two months or so, about how the, the distinction between whether now that this team is expected to go to the conference finals, not just that they are hoping to yeah. go to the conference finals, and that this is a team, you know, if they are with a 1-2 seed in the East, they're going to have home court and they are going to be a favorite. And that is a different place to be. And it's different for the whole, you know, for all – for John and Brad, they've been in the second round now three out of the last four years. Yep. 
but they haven't been the favorite. You know, they haven't had home court in that round, and they haven't been the team that everyone has been picking. So we'll see, you know, when late April comes this year. They've higher than a four seed, right? Correct, right. correct. We were right. The four seed last year as the right. home court in the first round, but right. never. Yeah, exactly. So that's definitely something we're going to sort of be tracking, monitoring. The, obviously, the first week, you know, got a good win in Denver, took care of home court, and then sort of the dud against the Lakers. Um, yeah, look like, that looked like the latest example of a team getting too much time in L.A. You know? Yeah, that's always – always. Not that that's a great excuse for fans to hear, but, I mean, that's, you know, is. Uh, there's a reason why uh, the Knicks, even over the last 15 years, they've generally been awful, have had a lot of success on noon games on Sundays. And it's uh, it's the same reason why, you know, a lot of times L.A. teams playing, you know, on Sunday nights at 6 or local time will not play nearly as well. You know, if you, you spend a weekend in big cities like that, there tends to be a certain result that happens and or at least certain production level that happens. And you know, it's it's not the end of the world. It's one game, but obviously, it would have been nice for the Wizards to come into this Warriors game four and zero for the first time in forty years and have it some little extra juice. But it doesn't change the fact that this is a a really interesting game to me, and you know, a chance for them to to make a statement on a national stage. Yeah, and that's a couple of the guys that you know, we John and Brad get so many of the headlines for the Wizards, and well, as they should. I mean, they're the two best players. Mm-hmm. I think they're both going to be all stars this year. They should be. But uh, a couple of the guys that I think are going to be key for them actually getting that one or the two seed in the East this year are those wing guys, and that's Otto Porter, who I think is t- – we've already seen him take this leap this year, and Kelly Oubre Jr., who also – to me, I think I've seen the biggest growth out of them so far in the first week. And I don't know how much you've gotten to see of the Wizards yet or how much um, – you know, that you have to watch so many NBA games, but – for those two guys to sort of be the, you know, the, you need those wing defenders in this league to, to be a top team. And the way that Otto sort of fits in as sort of the third piece in that starting lineup and they're, you know, playing alongside Kelly now with, uh, you know, the small lineup, mm-hmm. that's what we're seeing in the NBA now. And now the mm-hmm. Wizards seem to have their sort of, that's their, I don't know what you want to call it, small lineup is, what, you know, sure. or whatever it is. The, yeah. You know, the stretch lineup with four shooters and, um, is that is, is it a fair assessment to say that this you know that this team sort of they, they could sort of be those those X factor guys? Oh, for sure. I think you you look at Kelly Kelly and Otto both. Like if you're going to play in the NBA now, you need to have as many good wings as you can find, right? And those guys like there's a reason that lineup's doing really well. And to me, the the X factor for the whole team this year is Kelly Oubre. I think you know Markeith is going to come back and start, and then you're going to have the same five as last year, but. You know, if Kelly becomes a viable, you know, I shouldn't say viable. If he becomes an elite bench guy, right, which it looks like he's capable of doing, he looks much better this year. I've I've gotten a chance to see the Wizards a good amount early on, and they, if he, if, if he continues it to progress the way he has been, and he becomes an elite bench guy, you know, maybe in the running for Sixth Man of the Year or just a good, a really good piece off the bench. That gives, the, that gives the Wizards another level of depth they didn't have last year. Like Kelly last year had moments where he was good, but he was up and down. He was still inconsistent. He was a young guy. He didn't really play the year before. So this was like his first extended minutes on a good team, playing in the playoffs, like all that stuff. It was um, – you could see it was a learning curve as he went along, and, and he got better as the year went on. But it's still – he looks like another level of player this year. And I've had some scouts who saw him say, this guy looks really good. Um, we're pretty excited about him. And – you know, he's starting to, sh- to realize some of that potential he showed when he got drafted as a super long athletic wing player that could potentially shoot the ball, could be a good defender. Um, 
you know, that, that's the kind of guy every team is looking for. And if he, can, if he can continue that development this year and give them a strong six guys, and then you have Tim Frazier, who should be an improvement from what they've had, what the Wizards have had at back of point guard. Uh, you have Mahimi hopefully having his knees right now and being able to develop into a solid rotation piece. All of a sudden you're talking about getting towards eight or nine guys, and that's what you need to have to really be a contending team. And that's what we're hoping here in D.C. as we watch the Wizards take on this Eastern Conference. And we're talking to Tim Bontemps of the Washington Post here on Off the Bench. Um, I think we covered most of what we needed to for the NBA, Tim. Um, I know this is a personal note, but I've run into Tim actually on a golf course before covering a little golf event <laughs> is there is there any uh, any any uh, golf events coming up that you uh, do out here no that was a uh, that was a random one-off that was at the pga right yes. yeah that was a random that was a random one-off because i lived at the time uh, in north jersey and the pga championship was down the street from my house and so i uh, i got asked to cover it but no i'm uh especially like i said like you said before with the way the nba is right now uh, and living out here on the West Coast, I mean, I'll, I'll pitch in on some West Coast stories now and then. I'll probably do the NCAA tournament again in the spring. But I mean, I'm the NBA keeps me busy enough, so I've got uh, I've got my hands full trying to keep up with everything that's happening in the association right now. Excellent. Well, we hope we're back here in June to see you in I'd be San. Okay with that? I'll I'll say that on the record. I would be uh, I would be quite okay with a Wizards Warriors uh, NBA Finals. That would. Uh, That'd be good for my newspaper, and it'd be good for me. So it'd work out pretty well. Okay, well, we appreciate your time, and thanks so much for joining us. Anytime, man. Happy to do it. All right, that's Tim Bontemps on Off the Bench. Thanks, listeners. (laughs) 